Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to Lace Mountain Wire football edition of the podcast, MWR.com. That's our website. Um, if you want to be nice and check out some awesome deals we have, yes, I'm starting right on the front mat with this. MWCWire.com is a place you want to go visit. Do you know why, Matt? Yes, but why don't you tell our listeners? <laughs> you don't know why. You're just playing along. It's okay. Um, we have a bunch of cool deals over there. Just check it out, like Fubo TV, Sling TV for a week, free week. If you like to invest money, you can get five bucks back just for signing up, and it costs you nothing. Do you want five bucks, Matt? I can get you five bucks. I like $5. So it's just a bunch of stuff like shopping, jet.com, box, if you want to invest money, if you want to buy. I'll, I'll freely admit this, Matt. I purchased cauliflower crust pizza. to make Cauliflower pizza. crust pizza is actually pretty good. Have you made it yourself before? I have not. My gal has. She's the, the cook in our household. I, I do the dishes. Does she, uh, <laughs> question, I need, we need to ask her a question here. Can she make it without it falling apart? Because that's very difficult. Yes. Yes, she can. Interesting. Maybe we need to hook up on the email because I have a difficult time doing that. I can make amazing cheese bread out of it or cauliflower cheese bread, but the integrity of the pizza is a little bit difficult. So that's why I go to this website. It's one of the websites that will give me a, give us a few dollars if you go buy cauliflower crust because it doesn't fall apart. So there we go. That's all That's all the shilling we're doing today. So check it out. <laughs> Just head over to mwcwire.com and you can maybe find something cool if you want Sling TV for a week or buy a seat geek, get some tickets for week zero perhaps, right? That's coming up soon. A lot sooner than it was before. Oh, boy. Especially we're now on target with these. All right, let's get to the show here. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Mount Must Wire, Patreon. If you want a, another shield, give us a buck or two. MWC Wire, Top 50 Countdown, in full swing. San Diego State Aztecs, Matt. That's the team we're talking about today. They are pretty yes, good. Yes, it is. They, they are pretty good. They have been good for a while. 32 wins in three years. Is that correct? 11 wins in 2015, 11 in 2016, and 10 last year. That is 32 wins. That is 32. We are saving the top teams for last. We're doing Aztecs this, this time around. We are doing Fresno State and Boise State in the next concurrent episodes. We've done every team prior to this. So where do we start with on Aztecs? Because we know they're going to run the ball. We know they're going to have a really good defense, and their passing game might be a little bit – should be a little bit better. So what's the – like nothing's changed. Same coaches are still hanging around, I believe, Rocky Long. Chris Chapman's there for another year. It seems like a dozen. So what's the big story? Is it just Jawan Washington and the new running back? Well, they do have a new defensive coordinator as well in Zach Arnett. Oh, you he's think re- – He's replacing uh, – I forget his name. Danny Gonzalez? Oh, yeah. He went to Arizona State. They posted Went to Arizona coach. State, yeah. That's what I get for not – for stuff that happened four months ago. So – but is that really a big deal? You got – it's going to be a – Rocky Long, same three three five. That's not that big of a difference. Good podcast, everybody. Yeah, exactly right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're done. Well, See I mean, ya. <laughs> it's, it's interesting to think about this team, you know, because we talk about you know waiting to talk about the top teams in the conference, and there's no doubt that San Diego State, you know, with two conference titles in the not so distant past, you know, they're definitely in that conversation but it's 
it's interesting to think about this team, and especially last season, because you know there's the the what might have been, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. yes, they are one of the top teams in the conference, but it was very clear in the back-to-back losses that they had against Boise State and Fresno State that you know they were just outclassed for two for two straight weeks, and then you know I would look at their bowl loss against Army as more of a fluke than anything like that. Well, I'm not to say a fluke. I feel like that does a disservice to the Black Knights. But the Black Knights, like, basically hit them with gut punch after gut punch after gut punch. Like, they they tested that defense basically like nobody had before. It was an odd game, to say the least, how it turned out. Because nobody expect like, Army's good, has been good, but most people expected the ASIC defense to, like, just shut it down. But I don't, you know... I think, you know, you look at what they did, and in a lot of respects, their their strengths kind of failed them against the other good teams in the conference. And, you know, you say, yes, it is more of the same going into 2018, which definitely makes them contenders for another conference title yet again. But, you know, because we kind of know what to expect, you know, we know their strengths, we know their weaknesses, we know their defined path forward. But when you compare that to the other top teams, Fresno State and, and Boise State, you know, there's a narrower path, I think, back to the top of the mountain than I think you could say there is for those other two teams, if that makes sense. No, it does. And also, here's the thing, too, where if you look at Boise State and Fresno, we'll, we'll chat about in the next few shows. We know exactly what they have. Fresno, Marcus McMarion back, running back, Mims back, their offensive line, Keyshawn Johnson. Most of the defensive group is back. Boise, Madison, um, Rippin. Yeah, they lose uh, Cedric Wilson and Leighton Vanderush, but we know who's there. Aztecs, we still know. Juwan Washington should be pretty good, but I said it for years and I'll keep saying it, and Aztec fans could be bad at me. If they could throw the ball reasonably good, they would be the best team by far in the conference. And you know, I'll, I'll I'll take you to task about that again because I don't want to say I don't want to say that they that they don't because they don't need to either. So that's part of it too. It it really all depends on how you look at things because you know on the season, at least by quarterback rating, Christian Chapman, and we'll we'll start with him. You know, he was third overall in in quarterback rating on the season. You know, he was ahead of Ty Ganji, he was ahead of McMarion, he was ahead of Drew Brown and Josh Allen. You know, he completed over 60% of his passes. He was one of seven quarterbacks to do that in the conference. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was in the top five as far as yards per attempt. But if you narrow that down a little bit to just look at what he did in conference play last year, it changes the picture a little bit because his, his completion rate dropped from 60% overall to 57.5% in conference. And, you know, that lack of efficiency, I think, may have hurt them just a little bit. You know, I think, especially if you look at those two games that they lost against Boise and Fresno, you know, Chapman was basically a non-factor in those games in a way that when the Aztecs lost games in 2016... You know, you look at his numbers in those losing efforts, and there's a huge difference between them. 
you know, if you go back two years ago, like he was still completing 58% of his passes and he had five touchdowns against one interception in those three games they lost two years ago. But last year he completed under 50% of his passes and he had just one touchdown. He had a quarterback rating of about 101. And so I think if you were looking for a place to start thinking about how this team can improve, you know, can Christian Chapman be just a little bit better? Yeah, because I don't I, because I don't think it's going to take much. No. You know, if, if you if you look at, for instance, the fact that he only threw four interceptions last year. Right. But three of those interceptions happened you know, on, you know, inside the opponent's 40 yard line. Do you know how many interceptions he had inside the opponent's 40 in, in 2016? I do not. Zero. Okay, then. And and granted, it wasn't a situation where it really came back to hurt him all that often. Because I think the only really critical interception that they threw all season long was that you know, ill-timed pass against Army in mm-hmm. the bowl game. For sure. But, you know, if you look at what they've done, for instance, when it comes to converting those kind of scoring situations from 2016 to 2017 there was a bit of a drop-off in their ability to score points on trips inside the 40 you know two years ago i'm just trying to scroll back up real quick two years ago they were 18th they scored just over five points per trip and last year they slipped down to 4.6 which is still inside the top 50 but you know those kind of critical mistakes are the kinds of things where if you can clean it up Aztecs fans can feel a little bit about a little bit better about their chances. Like I said, I don't think it's going to take much. Well, it's not, but like when you look at when he goes um, five of eleven, well, Hawaii game, whatever, but like ten of twenty for fifty yards or seventy-seven yards against Fresno, three yards attempt, two and a half yards attempt versus Army. It's like mm-hmm. even as Stanford, where he had that game-winning drive, still only 6.4 yards per attempt. Like he just needs to be, I'm not saying he needs to be great, but like get me to like what I still think if they, it's part receivers, it's part what the, it's part what they want to do. Cause they want to just run the ball because that's their strength. And that's how they do well. And that's great. But for him, like he, let me back out of conference player, but like overall, like what I think, get him to what would 64% be fine overall. And like percentage, like 18 touchdowns. Would that be help you out a bit better? Like, well, how much better – he doesn't need to be that much better because if he, he's not going to complete 70% of his passes. We know that for sure. But, no. if, he, but if he gets to 63%, that would be best in the conference. And, like, yeah, it's those kind of degrees of difference that could make, you know, a wealth of difference for the entire offense. Yeah, and he had 13 touchdowns overall. That's not good enough. Get, get him to 18. I'm like, he doesn't turn the ball over. He's not going to go downfield a ton, but – he needs to get the end zone more. I, I don't know. It's like they score in the ground, so it's hard to say. But I guess I'm going to point somewhere. Just maybe you want to downfield threat a little bit more and be maybe 64% completion rate. Because if you're 3% higher and you can say your yards per attempt goes up a little bit more, like he was at um, 7.7. Get him to like 8. You know what I mean? Like 8.1. Get just a little bit more would go a long way to making him more of a threat where teams – because even though if teams will pound the – like. Just put eight guys up front, put not, and just do run blitz every time on when they know they're going to run and or let him beat you if they want to. He's not going to be a team most of the time, not going to beat you. I know he had the huge driver swarming two years, a couple years ago, and then last year versus Stanford, but he just needs to be a bit more consistent. And 
it's again, it's just a little bit better, and I'd put them ahead of like Fresno State or maybe even Boise State if he was a little bit better. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think that it's necessarily all on him because no. you know if you if you look at it from an efficiency standpoint, he's been pretty consistent when it comes to, to making critical throws on the opponent's side of the field. You know, last year he had 78 passes inside the opponent's 40-yard line. And he was well over 60%, and he had 11 touchdowns. You know, I mentioned that he had, you know, three interceptions last year, but he also had 11 touchdowns. But, you know, on the same amount of throws, basically, in 2016, he had 77 throws, and he had 18 touchdowns against zero interceptions. And it's not like you can throw the excuse out there and say, oh, well, you know, maybe they leaned a little bit more on the running game. That's not necessarily true. You know, they ended up having 19 red zone touchdowns in both 2016 and 2017. So, you know, it's not even that he has to kind of reclaim all those gains. You know, if he can just make one or two more big time throws, you know, not even week to week, but just, you know, when it's a, when it's a critical situation, if they can get six points rather than three points, you know, well, that's my point. In a, yeah, in a, in a in a close and late situation, which we we've seen him be, you know, absolutely nails in those situations more than once now. But you know, to do it just a little bit more consistently. Yeah, that's all I'm asking. Like just a little bit more. It's like when I talk about New Mexico, if they can kind of got a guy who could pretend to throw, it'd go a long way. And just yeah. just a little bit more. So I'm saying, like, I would be more confident in picking them to like win the division, or win the conference. But we'll see how it goes. But so let's go to the uh, – since we're talking quarterback, let's just shift to the receiver portion of this team because it's not all on him. A better offensive line will help as well. But, like, who's going to catch the ball for him? Because that's going to be a big deal as well because they haven't really had they – have they've had David Wells in the past who would catch the ball. He had that big – didn't he have the game winner versus Stanford, right? Yes, he did. And they lose a ton of guys like Michael Holder, gone. He had leading receiver, 43 catches, gone. Um, Rashard Penny who caught about 19 catches. Their leading guys back don't have as many catches as Michael, Michael Holder did, like Fred Trelevin and Khalil Warren both combined for just 33 catches. So how much better can Chapman be if the guys coming back have never played? Or, not, or excuse me, not never played, but haven't played to like a high degree? It's going to be really interesting, I think, to see how that shakes out because, you know, yeah, Holder was kind of their number one guy last year, but he's not like a... Yeah, yeah, and he was the number one guy in 2016 as well. But he's never been like a like a Cedric Wilson or a Michael Gallup kind of contributor. And you know, I think that the Aztecs definitely have some very intriguing talent. You know, it's not like they haven't been recruiting guys to be able to come in and make those plays in the future. I think, for instance, the future is kind of now for Fred Trevilian. He's a senior. He's their probably their number one outside threat. And, you know, even though he had a catch rate under 50% last year, he managed over 24 yards per catch. So, if, you know, if he can be that kind of 50-50 home run threat, you know, that could be a tremendous asset for this offense. But, you know, other than that, they have a bunch of young guys who I think have a lot to prove. And I'm thinking most specifically about, you know, guys like Tim Wilson, guys like Isaiah Macklin. Both of those guys are huge targets. You know, Wilson is 6'4", and, and Macklin is 6'5". So, you know, maybe it's an instance of, you know, play action. Chapman jump, you know, drops back. And, you know, he has three guys now who can go up and get it. 
that I think is an element to this offense that we haven't really seen before because, you know, most of their leading receivers from the last couple of years, like Holder and Quest Truxton, Truxton, excuse me, they weren't really big guys like that. And so I'm very interested to see how those two guys, Wilson and Macklin in particular, you know, how they step up. Because I don't think they necessarily need a stable of guys with like 60% catch rates, you know, because this isn't a spread offense like, you know, like a Hawaii or a, or a Utah State or something like that. If they can get one guy to 60%, that'd be great. But I think they're going to look for maybe a few more big plays than we're accustomed to seeing from this offense. And a couple of guys who I can see at the bottom, there could be a couple of true freshmen actually coming to make a big stand or statement. If you look at the bottom, like if you kind of look at who they have come in, like Jr. Justice picked San Diego State over like Arizona State and USC. He's a four-star receiver. Him, Kobe Smith, and Nick McTerris, a tight end. They're the three highest-rated guys on their team who have been recruiting over the past couple of years. They have a lot of good young guys who barely played last year, like who are rated higher than they have, like as all these redshirt freshmen too. So they have talent, but like, are these guys going to step up and do it? Like maybe Justice could come in as a true freshman and get. Like he said with the offense, they're not going to have a 60 or 80 reception guy, but have all these guys go go eight deep and each of these guys get 10 to 20 receptions each. That's more realistic. And they're finally getting talent who can catch the ball. And maybe it'll be one of these young guys who will do it. It's hard to be a true freshman. Are they going to come in Stanford week one and have go eight for 16 to touchdown? Probably not. But they have the increase of talent is there. This is one of the first times they actually have it. And they're going to have to play and step up. Because Washington, he'll get a handful of catches of picking over what Penny did. But they have a couple of juniors or sophomores, but they have all these redshirt freshmen, true freshmen who are going to see time this year. And I think it's going to be them who are going to step up to be a mix of like the three to eight guy, number three to number eight on the depth chart to come into play. And they'll probably all play a good amount. So it's hard to tell how good it'll be, but the talent they recruited has improved the past two years. I'm also really interested because the Aztecs might be off the top of my head. Maybe you could throw Boise State in there too. But you can make the argument that they might be the one team in the Mountain West that has two really good tight ends as well. Yeah, because Cahill Waring obviously saw a little more playing time uh, with David Wells in the fold. But, you know, He was a sophomore last year. He had three touchdowns. He only had 18 catches, but he averaged almost 14 yards catch. You know, that's a positive. But then behind him, you have Parker Houston, who, you know, limited sample, you know, nine targets, six catches, 56 yards. I'm really interested to see just how much Chapman gets to lean on those kind of big targets over the middle, because that's something we haven't really seen all that much. You know, even two years ago when Wells, you know, had four touchdowns, he only caught 25 passes. But it wasn't that long ago where they were you know, throwing guys out there like Gavin Escobar who were catching like 30, 40 passes a year. I don't think it's I don't think they're necessarily going to need a game breaker at tight end. But I mean, we know that they, you know, value blocking. Oh, for that, sure. For, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, that kind of extra passing element that we've only seen glimpses of. I'm very interested to see, you know, because, again, those are two very big targets that. Chapman didn't necessarily have all the time last year. So how how comp like we going through the receiver stuff here? Like where do you feel they'll be better than last year with all these new guys coming in? I think that they will. 
it's just a, like I said, in going back to kind of our original question, it's a question of how much, because, you know, by passing success rate, for instance, I've talked about success rate in the past, you know, they did improve a little bit from two years ago to last year, but they were still right around, you know, the national average as far as passing success rate. And, and as far as passing downs, you know, they were more or less steady. They're a little bit below average as far as, you know, success rate, explosiveness, S&P plus, things like that. So can they at least get to average? I think, you know, if the answer is yes, then they're going to be a serious threat for, you know, to hit their ceiling, which I think is a New Year's Day bowl game. And if they can't, then I think they're going to be really hard pressed to move the ball against good defenses. So, okay. I think they'll be correct. And do you think one last thing I'll, we'll get back. We'll answer questions on me. Just ask you, but do you think they'll pass a bit more with new running back? Cause we'll move transition to Juwan Washington, but do you think that's where or why they'll be better? Because they want to throw a little bit more because they do have a new starter. Maybe. Remember, and I know that's I know that sounds like a cop out, but I I honestly don't think you know if they do, it's not going to be that much more. Okay, because they have because let's go to Jordan Washington. We was um, there's all conference stuff this past week, media days recently because we're actually past that at this point recording this particular show. And the big argument was Washington versus Alexander Madison of Boise State. Mm-hmm. And we kind of mentioned if you haven't heard that one, go listen to it. It's more like do you want potential or the sure thing. Or more of a sure thing, because you see Madison, whereas Washington, we've seen him play bits and pieces, very good. But at look at the Aztecs' career, at least the past two, not even the past two years, going back like almost a decade, every running back they've had has been really good. And so I'm assuming Washington will just keep doing that, get 250-plus rushes, and dare we say another 2,000-yard season. That I think <laughs> that's setting the bar really high. I'm saying, yeah, two years in a row. Why not? If your whole the whole offensive line is back, come on, why not? See, to me, the question is: even though they're losing Penny, you know, even though we know Javon Washington is a guy who could probably, you know, with with 200 carries, he could probably pick up like 12 or 1300 yards, no problem. To me, I'm more interested in you know how the guys behind him line up because you know i would i would be very surprised if they gave him the 289 carries that they gave penny a year ago and i would be like floored if they gave him the 350 carries that they gave Danell pumphrey two years ago i'm almost wondering if maybe there's a little more of a committee approach than we're used to seeing at san diego state because you know and again like we talked about with the wide receivers they brought in a lot of good running backs and they might be in a position where they can, you know, find ways to use them. Yeah. Of course, the only guy who's seen the field so far is Chase Jasmine and he only had 33 carries last year, but you know, he's a three-star talent, you know, Kagan Williams, who's a redshirt freshman. He's another three-star guy, Chance Bell, another three-star guy. That's four guys right there who, you know, even if they're not necessarily all getting 50, 60 carries at a minimum, there's nothing saying that they can't. You know, if one or two of those guys shows Rocky Long something in fall camp, maybe that takes a little bit off of Juwan Washington. I think so. Well, they're going to – yeah, that would. But, like, again, like I said, are they getting 300-plus carries? No, but they've also recruited well. So, like, 
what's your baseline for Washington? Is it? I know 2000. I'm kind of joking. 2000, but it's realistic. What would be for Aztec fans, not just you or me, like who? That's their team. They want them to do well. Would they be disappointed? Like 1500 yards? That's a great year. Would they be disappointed with that? I mean, I don't think they would be. If you go back and look at, you know, kind of the, I think Donnell Pumper maybe spoiled us a little bit because if you go back and look at what they did, for example, during the Adam Moyama years. He was still, you know, in, still in, good in back? His, in his last year as a starter, he had 256 carries and 1,244 yards, 15 touchdowns. You know, the year before that, he was, you know, just under 1,500 yards, 16 touchdowns. So I think even if that's what you end up with, that's still a pretty good year. I feel like recent excuse me, recent perceptions have skewed our expectations a little bit. Because, you know, even in those two years, you know, you had Donnell Pumphrey and Walter Casey getting 750 and 800 yards respectively. So you still had, you know, two guys who were clearing 2,000 yards, no problem at all. So to me, even if they don't necessarily get one guy over 2,000 yards, you know, I think as a team with the talent that they have in the backfield, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm trying to set a reasonable number here because they've gone over 3,000 yards rushing each right. of the last three years. Let me give you a second. So let's put it this way. 3,000 yards over or under as a team this year. Oh. I will say this. I'm thinking about it. The last time they didn't have a 1,000-yard rusher, over a decade ago, 2009, where Brandon Sullivan had only 558 yards. It's pretty good. And that's also Walter Casey on the team. He had 371 as a true freshman or freshman of some sort. So you're putting the baseline 3,000 yards. As a team. As, obviously, obviously, as a team. Um, I... I gotta say under well because yeah, like I said, thirty two hundred last year, thirty six hundred as a team. I'm gonna go under because 2014 they didn't get there, 2015 they didn't get there either, or excuse me, 2013 they're way below. I'm gonna say I play the odds and say under, but it wouldn't shock me. I will say I think 2700 is reasonable. I mean, I would say slightly over. You think over? I think so. I think they're going to continue to run the ball a lot. Hmm. And to, and to me, the question is not necessarily like the you know the explosiveness, because we all know Juwan Washington is going to be explosive. You know, he averaged six yards a carry last year in in you know 120 some odd carries. To me, one of the questions that I think is also going to make or break this season is how much of their success being efficient can they get back because if you if you look by success rate as an offense you know from 2016 to 2017 they dropped from 38th to 84th and yeah while it's great when Rashad Penny is running wild for you know 10 15 yards at a time sometimes you need those four or five yards and they got them a little less often last year than they were getting in years past and that's reflected in other numbers too, like for instance, stuff rate, where you know the percentage of plays that are stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage. Two years ago, it was at 18.5%. It was a little bit above the national average. Last year is at 20%, which was a little bit below the national average. So they slipped a little bit there. 
They slipped a little bit in power success rate too, from 75% down to 71. And, you know, that went from being basically a top 20 figure to, you know, a top 40 figure. So it's those minute differences where, you know, if they can find one guy to get those tough yards, even if it isn't Washington, if it's one of their other guys, one of their highly touted, you know, recruits, you know, to me, that is going to be more important in the long run. All right, so it's, he's, still gonna, he's gonna lead the conference in rushing, right? <laughs> I mean, I think he's a good bet. I don't want to necessarily say it's a surefire thing. Let's just say this running game will be fine. It may not be as amazing as last year, but it's gonna be it's gonna be what it's always been: consistent, very good, and tough to stop. And then they're gonna they're 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 probably gonna be as explosive as they were. The big question, like I said, is can they be just a little more efficient? Yeah. And if we go to the offensive line, I made a mistake saying. I guess they kind of have five starters back, but four. They had some issues. Like, they've, they've got all five of their starters. They do. Back. There's a little mix or match there, essentially, because Antonio Rosales is not back. But they had everybody. That's a good thing, too. If you're switching around your offensive line, that's more versatile. So you can, oh, you're going to play number two here and here and start here. So we don't need to go too much into it. The depth is going to be. That's fine because they all played last year, right? It's the, the crazy thing is they have three sophomores who are going to be starting on the offensive line. That's true. That's and- nice. And I didn't say it before, but you know, they're, the continuity that they have on the offensive line could make a difference in improving all of those numbers that I just talked about. And the passing game too. Yeah, and and it maybe should be mentioned that you know Christian Chapman last year had a sack rate over ten percent, which, by the way, you know he had a sack rate over ten percent in twenty sixteen too. So you know, yeah, maybe that was something they struggled with a little bit last year. But, you know, with five guys coming back, as well as some depth, you know, both on the interior and the exterior, you know, there's definitely reason to kind of dream on this offensive line. Because if they can improve their pass blocking, if they can be just a little more efficient on the ground game, you know, all these concerns that we have about the offense as a whole are going to probably disappear pretty quickly. Poof. All right. Should we move to defense? I think we've exhausted our offensive uh, prowess here to discuss it. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so defense, which, heck, it's going to be great as well in that three three five, And, oh, you have Noble Hall. You have um, Ronnie Lakalaka. You have um, Kavaya Tizino. You have Cameron. Oh, sorry, not Cameron Kelly. I was going to roll a bunch of names. Parker Baldwin. Tariq Thompson. All these guys. Well, some of these guys or most are going to be in our top 50 countdown. We know what Rocky Long does. We mentioned they have the new defensive coordinator they promoted from within after losing uh, – Gonzalez to Arizona State. I don't see too much of a concern anywhere because they've always recruited well. If you see who's coming up and coming, transfers coming in or freshmen coming in, they're as good or better as just recruiting numbers and what they've had in the past or even on the roster now. But I don't really see any issue of them being maybe even better than last year. Maybe losing Cameron Kelly and, and like Trey Lomix, but they're fine. You know what I mean? Like, Taylor Hawkins could step in. They got Tree Thompson. Ron Smith, who I give a hard time every now and then, is a really good player. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know. I could. There's what do you, what do we got to say here? They're going to be really good again. They're going to be. Let me ask you this: Are they going to be better than Fresno or Boise State defensively? That is an excellent question, and I think that you know if you point to one thing that's going to have to change in 2018. And, and maybe these numbers are skewed a little bit, again, by the Army loss. But in the three games that they lost last year, 
they gave up over two yards more on the ground per play than they did in the ten games that they won. You know, in in their ten win in their ten wins, they gave up just three yards per carry. And in the three games they lost, they gave up five point two. Interesting, because their average giving up is five oh nine in every it, game. On the ground? Oh, so, oh, sorry, I was looking overall. No, I, oh, I thought you said total. No, no, I apologize. That was total defense. And so I think that, you know, if there's one really critical area for this defense in the 3-3-5, it's that first three. Because, you know, yeah, they do have Noble Hall coming back. And, you know, in, it's my opinion that he might be one of the most underrated defenders in the conference. But, you know, we... I, I kind of want to see how the guys around him, the defensive ends, guys like Anthony Luke, you know, Chibu Onyeuku, um, you know, Miles Cheatham, you know, that's a threesome on the outside who could make a huge difference for this team. And we saw a little bit of that last year where, you know, Onyeuku, for instance, had, you know, uh, five tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. Um, sorry, I'm trying to look up the numbers real quick. Well, here's the thing. They lose Sergio Phillips as the other DT. I don't know if that's a big deal. I don't think it is. Because I'm looking through, like, how well did he play? He only had, he had similar tackles to Noble Hall, but he was not – he had zero sacks and only one TFL. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, he's a big body, which is huge. It, it's two things. You've had to tackle. If you're a huge guy, especially, like, nose tackle, which sort of here into three three five, it's kind of – they're not going to play two DTs most likely, but – if you're a DT, you take a ball space. That's kind of what he did, but he wasn't like making plays. And so, like losing him, it's it's not it's not a good thing, but it's not like it's gonna make or break the defensive line. No, I don't think so. Because, like I said, they've you know again, it comes back to recruiting, and they've done that really well. You know, all three of the guys I mentioned, I believe they're all three star recruits again. Well, then you got like Joe Scott, Joe Robinette from Oregon State. Maybe he'll do something as a junior. And and I think that those guys are going to be especially important because, you know, I've talked a lot about havoc rate in the past, which is just basically your ability to be disruptive. Um, you know, tackles for loss, sacks, forced fumbles, you know, pass defended, those kinds of things. And when I when I went and I looked at the numbers thinking about this podcast, the one thing that really stood out to me was the fact that, you know, as a team the Aztecs defense, their overall havoc rate dropped from 25th in 2016 to 79th. You know, and, you know, as a percentage, they dropped from basically 18% to 15%. And that may not sound like a lot, but the biggest difference was in the defensive line's ability to be disruptive. You know, they ranked 109th last year in defensive line havoc rate after ranking right around average the year before. So, Yes, they do have the talent, but that talent's going to have to step up. And the sooner that they do, the better off they're going to be. Yeah, because and if you think about what's up front, a couple of things where you can kind of look at where that could be helpful or hurtful. Play Boise State. They play them. They run the ball well. Fresno State should have a better running attack. When they play UNLV, who's going to run the ball like crazy, they play a lot of teams. Stanford, when they play Bryce Love opening week, they're going to have to have guys up front to stop that. And conversely, when they play passing teams like Hawaii, can they get to the quarterback? The games they should win, obviously. But can they get the quarterback versus a Boise State when they can have a run and passing game? And so it's not just you've got to have it. It's what type of havoc, too. Yeah. And, and so it's, that's something to look forward to if Bryce Love's going to have a huge game or Madison or if uh, McMarion can throw well because he has time. 
it's going it's going to be an issue. That's probably would you say that's probably their biggest issue a little bit on defensively? I know linebackers lose a couple guys, but like Lock and Lock is back and he's really good. Even though he, what was he was he in our third team or second team? I believe he was a second team selection. Second team guy, and so he there. And we mentioned the other show. Linebacker is loaded this year, and so they, I know they play three three five. So only three, but like they do lose. Um, was it Jay Henderson? Lose a couple guys who had a lot of playing time. Numbers they're just okay. And I think what they're losing to who's going to come in and replace them, like maybe Katie McDonald or some other players like Tyler Morris will play. Or not him, but uh, Andrew Akali, who played every game last year but only had nine tackles. How hard is it for him to really go from, like, nine tackles to, like, 25? Probably not very hard, right? These linebackers are going to be really good. Yeah. Oh, let's just put that out there right now. Okay, we could just do that. That's easier. I mean, not, not just Laka Laka, but the guys around him. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, Troy Cassidy was a sophomore last year. And, you know, even though he only had, you know, 22 tackles in limited time, you know, he's going to step up into a role. Like you mentioned, Andrew Alecki. You know, he had four run stops in limited time. He's probably going to play a bigger role. You know, Kaiva Tizino, who, you know, we've heard from Aztecs fans throughout the offseason that, you know, he's a guy that maybe, you know, people aren't talking about enough. He had six tackles for loss last year and a couple sacks. Maybe he's that next guy to be a real big pass rushing threat from the linebacker position. You know, maybe he's the next Aztec to, you know, rack up double digit sacks. You don't know. But the ceiling for this linebacking core, I think, is pretty high when you compare it to a lot of other units in the conference. Oh, it is. It's gonna. They're like I said. It's, I don't want to say they're gonna be fine, but they're. Aztec defense is. When's the last time it hasn't been very good? Like outside of a what a game here or there, they give. I know the Army game last year. I guess that's one most recently, but historically, the past decade, they're gonna be fine with whoever they stick in there. And I guess if we move to the secondary, losing Cameron, Cameron Kelly's probably. I'm gonna say he's their biggest loss defensively. Yeah, because he really, really good. Even losing like Trey Lomax, but Cameron Kelly, what he did, like. Playing in this position, like what, 60 tackles? He had three interceptions, eight pass breakups. Now he's no Ron Smith, who had 16, who I need to start giving more credit to. But a couple fumbles forced. He was their leader on the defense. And I don't, is it, I guess Ron Smith will take that spot. Maybe Kyrie Woods will come in to be the other CB. Jeff Clay perhaps will come in. They've all played. Like, there's no, there should be a little concern because, like, the linebacker group, they have a lot of guys who played last year. They have bring back – I know they play five defenders, so it's a little skewing about how many players have played time. But they have – let's see, six, seven, eight, nine guys who played ten or more games last year. And that doesn't include recruits who are coming in, either true freshmen or transfers or guys who haven't played who are highly higher rated than who's on the field at the moment. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it's going to be fine. It's going to be really good. It's going to be fine. It's just – it's hard to say what more can the Aztecs do besides – when they play the really good teams to actually play as good as them. Cause I know they beat Stanford last year. Arizona state wasn't very good. So it's, you beat them in Phoenix. That's fine. Or Tempe. But if you want to be taken, not that they're not taken seriously, they should be taken more seriously because the Templus wins the past three years. Not many teams do that. They need to have a year if they want to be that team. Cause they want, they desperately want to go to a big time bowl game, which I don't, if I'm correct, they've never been to any type of bigger game like the Holiday Bowl, perhaps, back in the WAC days. Mm-hmm. Or whatever Marshall Falk did in the 90s, which is still the WAC days. They, if they want to be that team, I'm not saying this is the year to do it, but they've been waiting and building and building. It's like, at one point, you got to break through. Rocky Long's not getting any younger. You have a senior quarterback. You have a, what is Washington? Is he a senior running back as well? 
uh, Juwan Washington's a junior. Junior, okay, okay, sorry about that. But like, my point is, they've been building and building, getting so much better, recruiting better talent. At some point, they gotta break through. And I don't know if this is here because Fresno is really good. They've got the turnaround is amazing. Boise State's always good. They're ranked. They played top fifteen Stanford team week one, and so they want this very bad. And it may happen. It may not happen. But if they win ten game ten games again, it's fine. But I think they want more than that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think you're right. I think one thing that maybe you can look forward to is a little bit better uh, turnover luck. And that's not to say that they had awful turnover luck last year. They still finished above, you know, in the top five in the conference as far as total takeaways and everything. But, you know, they only recovered 40% of the fumbles that they forced last year. And that was after recovering just, you know, three of 12 back in 2016. So, you know, if they can just be a little luckier in that regard, you know, that could have a cascade effect where, you know, if you give the offense a shorter field to work with, you know, maybe that emboldens them to just run the ball right down their throat. And, you know, I'm not going to say that's a thing that's going to happen, but, you know, the way that those things work is, you know, if you put in the work to force fumbles, you know, that's a skill. And, you know, recovering fumbles is mostly random. And if you read Football Outsiders and you're aware of that already, but, you know, if that randomness falls a little more their way in 2018, that could make a huge difference. Okay, and also, like, same thing, like, I mentioned um, Rod Smith. He had 16 pass breakups. Yeah. 16. It's like, I know some of those are tips. You come in last second, you reach out and get it, but he also only had two interceptions. Like, I'm not saying he'll get half of those, but if say he, instead of getting 16 pass breakups, he gets 13 and three more picks, that could be point like do you mean double digit points for your offense yeah so it's uh, pbs are not i guess they're sort of random too but they're they're just tips and get in the way but you're getting your hand on the ball one or two or more of those go in your favor it's either to you or you hit it to somebody else or somebody's nearby it's like a jump ball sort of those are still random but pass breakups are fine but try to grab the ball if you can it's i know it's difficult to just say hey go grab the ball but if you're getting your hand on that ball that many times I, I would think you might be able to get more than two picks. Yeah, I think the best case scenario is kind of where they were in 2015. Because while they led the Mountain West in takeaways in both 2015 and 2016, you know, the 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 first season 2015 was really where they benefited from, you know, the best kind of luck where they were they led the conference in interceptions, but they were also better than 50% in recovering fumbles. And you know, if you're looking for an analogy, basically, if you take last year's defense and and you look at Wyoming, for instance, you know, if they can have a Wyoming type of season, whew, watch out. For the defensively, you mean? Yeah. Do you think that's possible? I I'm not going to say it's not possible because, <laughs> like like I said, there there are things where if it breaks their way that's going to make them a very scary defense to deal with. Well, that's also why I'm saying go back to offensive Chapman can be just four percentage points, better half a yard yard, better per attempt. Those are, you think, or even like what you mentioned defense, if they, instead of the rush defense, the big disparity you mentioned, if they can tighten that up when it's close games, giving up a half yard, fewer per running play. If a team runs 50 times, that's 20, that's 25 yards. That's 
easily uh, making somebody punt twice or having to go for it on fourth down instead of kicking a field goal because they're 20 yards back. Yeah, and I mean, I, I talked a little bit earlier about kind of the some of the five factors that Football Study Hall talks about. And I think it's worth noting that, you know, from the last couple of years, you know, even with you know the transition to a lot of young players all over the defense, you know, they more or less held their gains from, from 2016 to last fall. They were still in the top 30 as far as explosiveness on defense. They were still in the top 30 as far as field position is concerned. You know, they were top 50 in efficiency and very close to the top 40. So with another year of experience and really only one or two significant holes to fill, you know, it's not going to take a lot for this defense to reach its ceiling if, if things break their way. All right, so let's move on. Special teams really quick. This is an area where I will actually pay attention to special teams a little bit because you know how it's going to gloss over them. Well, yeah, we've got to pay respect to the noble lord of Kickstros. We, of course. So here's what they got coming back. Punter, Brandon Heiklin, Heiklin? Heikland, yeah. Heikland, okay. It's, and plus, then there's new rules as well. Oh, uh, sorry. That reminded me of something we didn't touch on last show. That's okay. Um, you got kickoffs. You got punt return, place kicker. Um, John Barron's back. He, uh, here's the thing. Aspects have gone a long way from years ago where they had kick, I don't remember who the guy's name was, but when me and Chris were doing the show, the guy like made like zero field goals all year. Do you remember who that was? Uh, not off the top of my head, but I know what you're talking about. Last year, 11 to 12. One of three forty plus. It's iffy for any college kicker, but they'll bring him back and John Barron. They'll be fine. He made every PAT. Um, he also did kickoff duties well. A couple of TBs, nothing out of bounds, which is nice. Um, they'll be fine. The return game is probably where you and I probably think where there's the biggest issue of a down tick, right? Uh, just to clarify, by the way, you might have been thinking of Seamus McMorrow. Yes, Seamus. <laughs> Good old Seamus, who was over for like every field goal, right? 0 for 4 in 2013. Oh, for, only took four field goal kicks. Oh, that would, uh, that, those are the days, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. So, but kick returning, correct. Like, Penny's not there, obviously. Washington, I don't, I don't want to say they're not going to give him the ball because they let Penny return a couple times last year. So if he returns a kick or punt, they'll be fine. But, like, they don't have a Quest Trucks who took most of the punt returning duties. Uh, maybe Parker Houston or Houston. Well, Houston, I believe, will be fine. But if Penny, if excuse me, if Washington returns kicks, they'll be fine. But if he doesn't, there's a little bit concern in, in the return game. I mean, I don't know that I'm that concerned, if only because you know, again, you were talking about a track record of success. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something on which the Aztecs have made their bones basically the entire decade. Yeah. So. You know, even if we don't have an idea of who's going to handle those roles, whether it's you know Washington or, or somebody else, one of their other running backs, perhaps. You know, I have a feeling that when all is said and done, I would be very shocked if they were like below average, or 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 even average when it comes to just being able to set up the offense on field position, because that's something that they've done really well the last couple of years. Is you know, they've been top 50, top 40 as far as average field position. I think they'll be fine, just maybe not be elite, because they had five return touchdowns last year. Four kick, that's one punt. So that's That will be hard. They will be hard-pressed yeah, to repeat that. That's where I'm getting at most. Like, they'll be fine in getting, like I said, their units they use for special teams coverage are great. They'll have whoever they're going to return if Penny does, or excuse me, if Washington, get mixed up, geez, if Washington doesn't resume his duties, maybe just part-time like Penny did, even though Penny had more kicks last year than yeah. Washington. So... We'll see how it goes, but let's take a quick 
breather here and we'll get to the schedule because we're already 47 minutes in, Matt. All right, you ready for schedule talk? Schedule. Let's do it. All right, so week one, Friday night football, Palo Alto, in-state, I'm not going to say rival, in-state contest. Let me ask you this, Matt. How close are you to Stanford University? Uh, I believe I'm about a three-hour drive from Palo Alto. Oh, I thought it was closer. That's okay. Friday night game at Stanford, who is number 13 in the USA Today coaches poll. The line is already out for this game. Do you want to take a gander of what, what it is? Uh, I feel like I looked at one point. I'm going to say Probably. like 10, 10 and a half. Stanford minus 10 and a half. 14 and a half for Stanford. Hmm. How do you feel about that? You said you seem that's not that's too much. That is a line. <laughs> that is a line. <laughs> Here's the thing. And right now, football FPI or whatever, football power index, ESPN, 89% for Stanford. Is Stanford really that good at home? I mean, Stanford's a pretty good team. Yeah, Heisman front. I'm just that's true. They do have Bryce Love. And and I think if there's a pressing question when it comes to this particular matchup is are the Aztecs going to be able to bottle up Bryce Love like that again? That is going to be the main reason they win or don't win this game, I think. Because what it, I mean, look at what he had last year, but last year there was the power outage late in the game. It was back and forth. This is one of the games where Chapman quarterback steps up in huge opportunities. He had the power went out. He had the, they came back trailing, got the game winning drive, the pass to David Wells. He's good in those situations, and that's where they're going to need him to step up. But Love, it's like he's going to be – he should have been in New York. Was he a finalist last year for the Heisman? Or did they, Bryce Love, I or, believe he was. Or do they snub him like they snub all the Aztec running backs every year? Honestly, I don't I don't pay attention to awards that often. All right. No, that's, not a, that's perfectly fine. But last year, I'm looking to see what he had. I'm trying to stall here because I'm not doing a good job. But he had – Okay, he, he, you say he was bottled up last year? He had 184 yards and two touchdowns. Wasn't it like two long runs, though? He had, I'm looking real quick, he had a 53-yarder. Mm-hmm. I think you're correct, because he only ran the ball 13 times. But I think you're right where he had two huge plays. I'm trying to see here. I'll take you a minute, but you could be right where he had just two giant plays. But it's still, at all counts, right? It's still 180 yards, whatever it may be. Yeah, that's true. So, as for Stanford, like, this is a winnable game, right? Even though it's on the road, it's a very winnable game for San Diego State. It's going to be as tough as you would have thought it was last year. And and not just because of Bryce Love, but also because, you know, the other big question is, are they going to be able to, you know, make the quarterback's nightmare or make the quarterback's night a nightmare like they did last year? Because, you know, Keller Christ is gone. KJ Costello is in. And, all things considered, he was pretty good last year. In his first full year, he was a, I believe he was a true freshman, but he completed just under 60% of his passes. You know, 14 touchdowns, four interceptions. And it wasn't like he was slouching against a lot of the better teams in, you know, the Pac-12. Like, he had a really good game against Washington. He had a really good game in a big win at home versus Notre Dame. You know, he had a pretty good game in a close loss against Southern Cal. So, I mean, this is a guy who's going to be ready to play. And he does have, you know, his top four receivers coming back. You know, most notably J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who averaged over 16 yards catch last year. That's pretty good. Pretty good. To me, the question is, 
you know, are the Aztecs going to be able to take advantage of a front seven that's reloading? Because there, if there's questions about this this year's Cardinal team, you know, it's how are they going to replace production like Harrison Phillips, who had nine tackles for loss, Justin Reed, who had five and a half tackles for loss, also had five interceptions. You know, they've they've had a history of producing kind of kind of big play dudes like Solomon Thomas, for instance, who was drafted by the 49ers a couple years ago. And, you know, there's no question that they recruit well, but they are replacing a lot of guys up front where, you know, maybe if you're looking for one big game at a Juwan Washington this year, it's that first game against Stanford. It definitely could be. They lose, what, two of their three top defense linemen, a couple linebacker, you mentioned Reed already. But they, they recruit well, Stanford does. And it'll and even back like everybody, like their offensive line, I'm just looking at that really quick. Holy crap, everybody's like all conference in the Pac-12 last year, essentially. Honorable mention, and they probably have like Nate Herbig would be a preseason All-American most likely, or close to it. So they do lose one guy, but the D, it's going to be tough. Like you, we mentioned, as you said before earlier, the front for the Aztecs defense needs to step up. This will be a big – this will be the same thing. This could be a game where each runner goes for like 150-plus. That's definitely true. And that was kind of like last year, but there's actually defenses were both really good. So I, I'm not going to give a score, obviously, even though we're a couple weeks away, but this is a low, probably low-scoring game. And here's the interesting thing is, whatever, I know the running back situation we're pretty confident in, but outside of that, they're like kind of both losing the same amount of stuff on defense. Both teams bring back their offensive line, receiving group, I guess make the holders gone, so that's a little bit different. But kind of what's being lost is almost the same on both sides, almost, at least defensively i'd say it's kind of interesting how these two teams are almost uh, they're all very much mirror images of one another so except for the except for the three three five thing stanford yeah. doesn't do that they're gonna run the ball not pass when needed have a really strong defense and uh, yeah and this will be the game where you see more t- two tight end sets in any game in the country that might be true are we gonna get the jumbo set fullback running back three tight ends oh, i hope so that's not a goal situation <laughs> I hope so. And then you do the naked boot and you throw it down to the tight end for like a huge touchdown pass. Yeah, I want to see that. So what what are you going with? The Aztecs, Cardinal? What's your um What are you going I with? I do th- I do think the Aztecs can do it again. Oh, you're gonna say a victory. I will. I I really want to say a victory, but I'm gonna go lost. Because here's the thing, a couple reasons why. Well, first off, Bryce Love, duh. Replacing Juwan Washington, replacing this from Penny from last year. Aztecs historically aren't very good against good game, good teams. Point to that even just last year, Fresno, Boise State, years past before, they struggle against really good teams. Now, the 14 half point line is ridiculous, and this will come down late to be close, but I'm not going to take the Aztecs to get the victory, unfortunately. I mean, I think if they're going to do it, it's probably going to look a lot like last year's game where, you know, even if Bryce Love gets loose, you know, here and there, you know, I think that this defense is good enough, especially that, you know, the front six, if you will. I think they're good enough to contain him and really force the quarterback to make plays. And even if Costello is a little bit better than Keller Kristlat was last year, you know, this is still one of the most dangerous secondaries in the mountain west and if you know things come to fruition like the way like like i think that they can or if they they get you know 
a little more good luck on their side. One or two more bounces go their way than they had last year. You know, I'm fully expecting it to be a one-score game, kind of like it was last year, but I do think that the Aztecs can pull an upset again. You're forgetting one thing. You assume Stanford's going to throw the ball at all. <laughs> well, I mean, they might. <laughs> they did They did throw the ball 20 times in their last six games last year. And I'm just saying. No, that's all right. So I say lost. You can send the hate mail to me and give praise Matt with Bitcoin or something, whatever you want to do. I don't know. No, no, don't give me Bitcoin. No Bitcoin? What, do you have a cryptocurrency of choice? No, then? I don't. Let's, <laughs> let's just move on. Uh, Sac State victory, obviously. That's a win. Arizona State. Um, Matt, how is the Herm Edwards-led team who doesn't know to talk to parents when recruiting is a favorite to beat the Aztecs? I have no idea. This is going. It's at home. This is going to be a San Diego State win, and I don't think it's going to be close. Okay, so let's start there. Why do you think it's not going to be close? Herm Edwards. I don't like Herm Edwards at all. <laughs> Can I just <laughs> say that? that? That's that's eighty percent of the th- hatred because it's a dumb hire, and he hasn't coached in a decade. And he, has he ever coached college except for like assistant years ago? Uh. Apparently, okay, so here's here's a fun fact. His last coaching stint was back in 1989, where he spent three years as the defensive coordinator. San Jose State, right? At San Jose State. That's what it was. <laughs> I don't care. That, that, no, that's a good fact. I, I shouldn't say I don't care. But be a good test of his new CEO skills. Exactly. It, it's not like Arizona State was great last year either. No, actually, they weren't. So what else do I have to say besides, you know what I'm getting See where I'm getting at here? I mean, they were very up and down last year. And, you know, they're losing some very important pieces. Like they're losing their, lot, their big uh, two running backs, you know, Keelan Ballage and Demario Richard. That's 1,800 yards worth of production right there. That's good. And, you know, yeah, they do have Manny Wilkins coming back. But, you know, I'm not necessarily impressed by him or the guys that they have you know returning i think they will have to be mindful of this guy like you know in keel harry who did catch 82 balls last year had over 1100 yards and led the team with eight touchdowns but again you know the offense might be able to you know land a blow or two but this defense is replacing a lot matt they could be zero and two when they face san diego states they could be. UTSA, not great team, but they're, they're proven to be tricky. They're going to play Michigan State, who's, what are they, are they top 15 team, I believe? I believe so, yes. Then they go to San Diego State. And then after that, they go to Washington. So... They basically have one returning starter in their front seven. Juwan Washington for 275 yards. <laughs> I mean, that might be asking a lot. Hey, Penny Britt... Penny ran five five straight games for 200 yards. Come on. Give me one. Well, to be fair, the Aztecs did get 279 yards as a team team (laughs) against the Sun Devils last year. All right. 225. Is that better? Uh, Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Like, you're right. I'll, um, I'll just wrap it up and I'll say I also think San Diego State will win this game. I think it'll maybe be a little bit closer than you think it will be because I think the offense will be able to move the ball a little bit. But I think that the Aztecs running game should be able to keep this one in check. Like a 17-point victory. That's what I'm getting at. Also, um, have you seen Arizona State's offensive radar? 
I have not. It looks like a whistle, if you're wondering. <sighs> that could be good or bad, but it looks like a whistle. That's all I'm saying. All right. All right. Next game. Um, let me stick with San Diego State here. They go Eastern Michigan. Um, they're in the MAC. They've got they beat Wyoming recently, so that's something, right? Eastern Michigan, not your older brother's Eastern Michigan. Yeah, they actually win football games occasionally, right? Yeah, they even go to bowls occasionally. So Aztec should take care of this MAC team, who I think they're. What are they? I thought I had their prediction in front of me. I did not. But regardless, San Diego State shouldn't be losing. They're at the point in their football maturityness. They should be winning against most MAC teams as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that you know they can't sleep on Eastern Michigan because they are they are losing some key pieces like Brogan Roback, for instance. I think he left. Or he he was their second leading all time passer after he left Ypsilanti. But they do have Shaq Van coming back. You know, he averaged four and a half yards per carry last year. He's a pretty decent running back. And between him and Ian Erickson, that's a one-two punch that, you know, the Aztecs will have to contend with. And they do have one of the Mac's best defenders in, in Max Crosby, who, you know, we talked about the offensive line and their pass protection problems last year. You know, if, if they're not prepared, he could wreak more havoc than I think a lot of people expect. You know, he had uh, he had 11 sacks last year for the oh Eagles. And, you know, if he's their one guy, you know, maybe that's not such a big deal because they'll know to kind of focus on him. But, you know, Jeremiah Harris, who's also coming back, the other defensive end, he had six sacks last year too. So this is a team that could cause some headaches if you know there's a hangover you know from beating back-to-back teams uh back-to-back pack 12 teams but again you know this is like you said this is a game that the aztecs should win pretty comfortably and eastern michigan well they went five and seven last year they had six very close losses and then so there's something with that to be said but i went to like stacy.com would they do a roundup of all like the magazines mm-hmm. websites like phil steel athlon street smith few others you probably never heard of they have eastern michigan fifth in the mac west division yeah it's it i mean it's still a, a, a decent team they're not going to roll over. yeah true like they're probably a fringe bowl team this year yeah so yeah just keep don't just just don't turn off the remote at halftime just pay attention guys there we go all right at boys okay here's where the schedule gets really tricky and why they may or may not be a big time game all their tough games are on the road at stanford at boise at nevada at Fresno State. I include Nevada because I think they could score points. Okay. So they go to Boise State. They get a bye week, which is huge. They're only given about a 28% chance to win this game. And this, it's a rival, but not really a rival. On 1 to 10, how would you put this game as a rival, rivalry game? I mean, I think it's at least a solid 7. Is there a trophy because, involved? <laughs> uh, no, there is not. But there All probably right. should be. We're on, I'll be on that, okay? The more trophies, the better. Exactly. So... These two teams, like, remember, Aztecs beat Boise State in the blue. I think the last time they played there was it four or five years ago? Because they had they played last year, and then they had the break because of the rotational divisional games. This game, like, neither team hates each other. Or sorry, both that's completely false. Both teams hate each other quite a bit. I this is just gonna be a great game. Like, what what do we expect by this point? Penny will play or geez, Washington. I'm, am I going to get that right this year, Matt Penny and Washington, to get them correct? At yeah, point? at some point you will. I, I'm in preseason mode still. Is that okay? It's still August, right? Yes. My point is this game will feature possibly the two best running backs in the conference. 
Um, possibly the two best defenses in the conference, if not two of the best in the country, top 20, top 30. What can we expect from a team that's going to have both pretty good offenses but shut down defenses? Like, I think it falls on the Aztecs to not do it the last year and just roll over and have a bad running attack or give up too many yards per game on the ground. You know what I said at the very beginning about the Aztecs having a very defined path to the top of the conference? Yeah. I think they're going to have a problem with Boise. It's on the road. What's your main concern about Boise State for the Aztecs? Well, I think it's going to come down to the Broncos' defense because, you know, what you saw in the game last year is they basically just ate the running game alive in a way that, you know, as we'll talk about in a minute, you know, the only other team to really do that was, was Fresno State. And, you know, in the same way that we just talked about Stanford having to replace a lot up front and, you know, Arizona State having to replace a lot up front, Boise doesn't have that problem. They're bringing pretty much everybody back and then some at every level. And, you know, if 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 it plays out like last year's game where, you know, San Jose, or excuse me, San Diego State falls behind early, I just, I don't know if they're going to be able to, I don't know if they're going to be able to catch up. That's the thing with San Diego State. Their offense isn't, if they're down, if they need to score a lot of points, that's not really what they do. Yeah, Chapman can go down the field every now and then. He's proven to do that. But if they're down, like hypothetical, 21-3, 21-9, are they going to be able to have their defense be good enough to not only stop a good offense but also outscore a defense at the same time? That's the question. I, and you, you, apparently you don't think it can be done. I just think that you know, for as good as the Aztecs can be, you know, with with what what excuse me with what we know. The Broncos have coming back. This is a really bad matchup for them. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think Madison will be better because he's fully healthy now, and he another year. And there's something I read somewhere about how Boise State and junior running backs all usually do pretty well. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be like a close loss. It's gonna be like the Stanford game. It's a road game. It's gonna be a close loss in Aztecs. I know they've beaten Boise before. They view special teams to. That's how they beat. Well, I think title game. I think I predicted that like twice last year somehow, like special teams cues to make a difference. That's probably what they're going to need to do. Just flip the field somehow, but I got to go Boise state. They're at home. And I think they're just slightly better than the Aztecs overall. few question marks. I think it's probably going to be about a two score game for the Broncos. Oh, so two touchdowns or cause two, two score, touchdowns. Cause t- technically two scores could be four points. Two safe. So let's, <laughs> let's say 10 to 14. <laughs> okay. Let's mess with you. Uh, I think it'll be closer than that, but it'll be one to watch. So then these next games, we can kind of blast through a little bit. Air Force shouldn't give them too much trouble, right? Air Force is tricky because, you know, if there's one team, I think, in the last few years that's given them headache, let's not forget Air Force almost pulled the upset against its team last year. Was that the crazy rain game or something? Yes, it was. Hopefully. And 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 granted, you know, it helps that they get the Falcons at home, but you know, it's, it hasn't been since 2014 that the Aztecs really had a comfortable time against this offense. So you know, I wouldn't necessarily discount it. You know, and even when even going back to 2013 when the Falcons were two and ten, you know, they still had the Aztecs within seven points late. So. You know, I don't necessarily want to discount it too much. I think they're going to battle them basically about the same as they have the last few years. 
But, you know, if you listen to our Falcons podcast, you already know I have that pegged as a San Diego State win. But not an easy one by any stretch. I agree with you. It's just Aztecs give anybody trouble. It doesn't matter who they play. It may be a game where they hang around for two or three quarters and team pulls away at the end. But Mm -hmm. it's going to be – they're going to make plays and score points against the defense to make them look silly a couple times. San Jose State victory, 90, that 92% low for me. I'll go 98%. Okay. Just because I, I'm going that way. I feel whatever. At Nevada, I put this on a game to watch because it's on the road. Playing at Mackey is quite difficult. It could also, Bill C has only a two-thirds probability of Aztecs winning this game. That's interesting. Nevada, as I said before, is I may do an article or maybe a roundtable with everybody. They're my dark horse team to like win the entire conference, Nevadans. <laughs> I don't think they're going to beat San Diego State because their defense has just been atrocious. And you've heard us saying the other preview shows for Nevada. I do have the Aztecs being a win, a vic- being victorious here, but like, like you said, if somehow Nevada gets out to a a, a big lead, like not even a big lead, seven big lead, seventeen to three, that could be enough for them to hold on for a victory. Twenty-one six, something like that, like two touchdowns. We know Nevada can score points, but San Diego State, they can, but are they able to score a lot of points? That's how if Nevada is going to upset San Diego State or Aztecs are going to win, it's because they may throw early because Ty Ganji goes deep to some, some pass, you know what I mean, to score quickly. They go up 17-0. I don't think that'll happen, but that's how San Diego State's not going to win unless they show us that they can actually score points in succession quickly. It's going to be really interesting to see how this game is different from last year's game because, you know, let's not forget that Ty Ganji threw for over 400 yards against this team last year. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, they got basically nothing on the ground. I think they averaged less than two yards of carry and they only ran the ball 18 times. So, you know, they put the game in Ganji's hands and he played valiantly, but there was just not even close. They ended up winning by 19 points. And so, you know, it's going to be a really interesting test for the Wolfpack offense. You know, are they going to try and win the game through the air against what we know is a very dangerous secondary? Or are they going to try and establish the running game a little bit more? Or even, even better for Aztecs fans, are they going to be able to do that? And I'm just not maybe, sure. Maybe. Like I think I think that the Wolfpack will take a step forward, but I don't know if their if their running game is going to be good enough to to give them the balance that I think they're going to need to win this game. And so I have this one as a San Diego State, excuse me, San Diego State win as well. I do. I just think it'll be one of the more intriguing games because again, Aztecs put up 42 points last year, so that we've seen them score more and more points the past couple years. Like they had 41 versus. The, who is it? A UNLV, 28 versus Air Force, 34 UNI. Mm-hmm. So they can score points. It's just more concerned the way he threw as well last year. If they get up early, Aztecs may not have the firepower to shut it down. Next, at New Mexico, victory, right? There's not that's too much. A, that's a win. Oh, <laughs> you're confident. That's a victory. No question about it. Rocky Long is going to crush his old team, right? Yeah, I think so. Hey, um, really quick, is um, Bob Davey going to be on the sideline that week? Uh, I feel like we talked about this during the we have. podcast. I, I, I'm sticking strong with Halloween. He's out. All right. So for me, that's a no. He's not going to be there. All right. No, no comment. 
Uh, well, I'll, I'll go back and listen. Okay. You know what? I would also encourage our listeners to go back and listen. Yes, go back and listen to every podcast we've ever done. We have yes. like 450 episodes. Please do. <laughs> and share and like and all that fun stuff. All right. Their next game at Fresno, which is also very, very difficult. No, no, you forgot one. Oh, oh, geez. I, I apologize to, to the numerous Rebel fans out there. UNLV at home. eighty, Almost an 80% chance to be, vic- to be victors over the Rebels. UNLV, you like them more than I do, I think, this year, because you like Armani Rogers, Lexington Thomas, and you're quasi or sort of hopeful the defense will be better. Yeah. So I assume you're going Aztec victory, but it's not going to be an easy one because UNLV put up 60-plus points against a very good Wyoming team a couple years ago. I mean, in recent history, this has never been a particularly good matchup for the Rebels. (laughs) Nope. You know, last year they lost by 31. Two years ago they lost 26 to 7. Three years ago they lost 52 to 14. Yeah, and and if you go back even farther than that, you know, it's since 2002, San Diego State's 13 and 3 so in how, this series. So how did UNLV beat Fresno last year, Matt? Then let's not let's not revisit <laughs> that. <laughs> All right, that's a low blow. Sorry, but I think that you know. More so than the Nevada game we talked about a minute ago. You know, I do expect that UNLV will be able to do a little more damage on the ground than they did a year ago. Because, you know, a year ago they got bottled up. They only averaged three and a half yards per carry. And if they can do a little bit more, I think that's going to challenge them. But I don't know if they have enough to be able to do it consistently against this defense. So you're right. I, I think it'll be a little bit closer than last year. But I do think that the Aztecs will win this one. Probably. But they'll have, like I said, Charles Williams and Thomas running the ball. Defense is going to be better than Nevada. But I, I, I think the trend will continue. Rebels will have a tough time keeping up. Yeah. Unless Rodgers goes off and goes nuts for 200 in the air, 100 on the ground or something. But All right. Yeah. Now let's get to Fresno State. You are going to – let me guess. How are you going to predict this game? I think you're going to say Fresno State victory. You would be right. I am too, because Aztecs are going winless on the road in those three big games. So, but here's what, but here's why. Let's get to more than just saying that or why. These teams are. It's fair to say these teams are almost identical in how they like to play. Almost. I'd say the key difference. Fresno wants to pass a bit more because they have this guy, you know, Keyshawn Johnson is pretty good. Well, I mean, I think you may have been able to say that last year. Yeah, you could have. You know, I think it remains to be seen how the, you know, the run-pass ratio will be affected by, you know, Marcus McMarion having had a full year with the offense. Because there's no doubt that they've got, like, you know, three or four, maybe even five guys who can, you know, make life miserable for the Aztecs. But, you know, kind of going back to that core question of, you know, is that defined path going to work out in this particular matchup? And... You know, like Stanford, like, you know, Arizona State, they do have a lot of questions up front. You know, they're replacing pretty much, you know, at least three guys on the defensive line. But, I mean, I know enough about this team to know that the linebackers are still going to be really good. They've got all their guys coming back. You know, they have everybody in the secondary coming back. And... You know, maybe this is a tease for when we do the Bulldogs preview in a week or two, but I'm not as concerned about the defensive line reinforcements this year. 
And so, you know, this seems like the kind of situation where, you know, even if San Diego State has more success running the ball against this defense than they did last year, you know, I think at some point they're going to need Chapman to step up and make it play. And with the amount of talent in the, on the back seven, I don't know if he's going to be able to do it. So, again, I think this will be a little bit closer than last year. I don't know if Fresno State's going to be able to control the game quite as well as they did last year. But I do expect the Bulldogs to be able to win at home. Yeah, I think being home is a big deal. And also, which we'll discuss, I don't want to give away too much before we talk to Fresno and make Marcus Sigmarian. At this point in the year, it's not a big deal, but he'll, like, beginning early on, he'll have, again, full fall camp, spring camp, off season. I expect that offense to take a huge step forward overall, and that's where the difference is going to be in this game. Yeah. So it's going to be, like, it's going to be a close one, but I'm going Fresno. Next week, Hawaii at home, victory, la da da, right? Mm hmm. So my record, nine and three, two losses in conference play. Yeah, I have them at ten and two, six and two in conference play. I would not be shocked if they do go twelve and zero, though. I mean, let's put it this way: if they go twelve and zero, like they've got to go to a New Year's Day bowl game, right? Well, Assuming that they win the the conference championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But who's going to challenge them? Florida Atlantic, UCF. I know a lot of people are still on that bandwagon. I'm just saying, like, if you if like if you step back and you think about this team's absolute ceiling, you know, if they go 12 and 0, win at Stanford, win at Boise State, win at Fresno State, you know, tack on a win against Arizona State for good measure. Like that's three road wins that, you know, if I without having gone to look back at what past you know, group of five representatives have done. That might be like the most impressive 12 and 0 of any team in the last three or four years. Yeah, well, it's more than Western Michigan who snuck in. Yeah. It's, um, let's well, see, Boise hasn't had a big game like that in a couple of years. Um, last year with UCF, they didn't even play Georgia Tech to get canceled. Because last year they played what? Stony Brook, no, South Florida, sorry. I get those mixed up. They played FIU. Beat an OK Maryland team and uh, who else they play? Austin P. It's like, all right, what's what's the deal with that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, but here's the thing too: they could that would be if they do go undefeated, which again, it's I think it's a possibility, not likely, but it's a possibility. Had they get like Boise or Fresno at home, I'd give a better chance. But that seriously could be playing three ranked teams. Stay at Stanford, which will be ranked top fifteen. Uh, Boise very likely should be ranked. Fresno State, good chance they're ranked as well. Mm-hmm. You beat three ranked teams. You beat two Pac-12 teams. I'm just saying, like you're gonna. Here's the thing: anytime the Mountain West champ is undefeated, they're gonna be in it no matter what. I don't care who the American plays, or even if Florida Atlantic they play Oklahoma, beat them. I don't think overall they'd be put ahead of the Mountain West champ. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident. Undefeated Mountain West champ will be will be ahead of any other undefeated team from the American CUSA Sun Belt, whoever it may be. I'm pretty confident in that because that's also been historically true as well. So, yeah. So what real quick before you wrap this up, what like would you say like 50, 50, 50 they go undefeated from those three lost three games that we're questioning, those road games? Ooh, okay. Well I mean if you're gonna say those three games are fifty fifty. I think they are. They're all toss up. Well, I would say they're toss up games. 
then the odds of winning all three of those games, just like simple math, is one in eight. Come on, man. Don't do that to me. <laughs> well, no, because no, 50, it's right. 50 sure? times 50 times 50 mm-hmm. is, you know, it's it's one eighth, basically. Yeah, no, it is, yeah. So, you know, and that's that's before you even start thinking about the other nine games on the schedule. Because it's not as though there aren't teams on the in the Mountain West that can't trip them up if they're not careful. Who would trip them up then? Who would that be if it's not? Is it Nevada? Is that the most likely team to trip them up? Well, I mean, I think we've, we've talked at length about both of the Nevada schools. Okay. In their kind of dark horse potential, so yeah. Okay. Um. But you know, it, like I said, I, it's it's a non-zero chance that they go twelve and zero. I don't know if it's a huge chance, maybe five percent. But I mean, if so, if if we're looking back on this team in January, you you definitely can't say that they didn't earn it at that point. Oh yeah, and also it's not like we're being like super homers because like they beat Stanford last year. Why? That's yeah. Stanford's thirteenth. I don't know if they're really that good of a team. It's preseason polls. They don't mean much, really. They do, but they don't. But like, here's my point: is it's not going to shock me if they beat those three teams. Mm-hmm. It'd be a, a minor upset, I think, depending how the season goes, especially with the Fresno game being late in the year. A lot of stuff can happen between now and then. But like, every game on their schedule is winnable. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, the, there's no. Like it's not like they're tilting at Alabama or anything like that. Yeah, this not, year. not playing Clemson, not Alabama. Even if they're playing Washington, I'd probably give them a decent chance to beat Washington. Mm-hmm. So, anything else we need to add about the Aztecs? Are we uh, good to move on to the next? Um, just wrap this bad boy up. I think we're ready. We almost went ninety minutes, Matt. This is a long podcast here. So, thank you for tuning in this whole particular podcast. We're, we have two more. We have Boise State and Fresno State. We will have two in one week at some point. We're not sure when because stuff happened during the summer so look out for that check us out mwr.com fall camp stuff going on check out our past podcast over at tune in stitcher spreaker blog talk radio let people know we're around if you like what we're doing let us know please and as always subscribe and we'll see you next time folks